We don't often break into uh, our worship services to observe national holidays, which really Thanksgiving Day is. But because of the importance of the theme for all of us who are children of God, I think it's appropriate that we should think about Thanksgiving on this Sunday before Thanksgiving. It's always been one of my favorite holidays, and one of my favorite stories is about a little boy who was asked in his Sunday school class for what he was thankful. And he said, I'm thankful for my glasses. He wore glasses. And the teacher said, well, why are you thankful for your glasses? And he said, it keeps the girls from kissing me and the boys from hitting me. (laughs) We can always find something for which to give thanks. Of course, learning to say thank you is an important part of childhood training, isn't it? It doesn't come naturally, as all of us know, to teach our children and to learn ourselves the importance of saying thanks to those who deserve it. When an individual trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, he receives a new nature. So the gratitude becomes more natural to him because of that new nature, but it's not automatic. That's why we are commanded in Scripture to be grateful. In Colossians chapter 2, it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, overflowing with gratitude. Isn't that interesting? Walk in Him, overflowing, he says, with gratitude. The point is that when we're walking in Christ, gratitude is going to be a natural outflow of his life flowing through us. While thanksgiving is always appropriate, the Bible tells us that giving thanks is expected. So this morning as we think about the theme, when to say thanks, let's consider what the scripture commands us about it. Turn with me first to Psalm 100. And verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. When should we say thanks? Well, first of all, we see here that we are to worship with thanksgiving. It is said that this psalm was sung as part of one of the offerings that the people of Israel offered in ancient days in their temple. That offering was the peace offering, or as it was also called, the fellowship offering. It was the one offering of which the offerer himself was able to partake. He was able to eat of that sacrifice. And in Leviticus chapter 7, we see several reasons why one would offer what was called a peace offering. One of them was for the giving of thanks to the Lord. If one of those ancient Jews just wanted to give thanks to God for his blessings or for some particular good thing that had come to him, He offered to the Lord a peace offering, a fellowship offering. Now, of course, today we no longer observe these ancient Jewish rituals. They were a part of the 
covenant of law with that nation. But we can observe and learn from the principle that seems to be written in there. And that is that our worship of God should include thanksgiving. I think we can all agree that entering a service with a spirit of thanksgiving affects the mood of that service, not to mention what we receive ourselves from it. If we come as joyful, grateful people, the whole service tends to take on that flavor. And we ourselves are more open in spirit to receive from God during that time. What a benefit it is to worship with thanksgiving. How far do you have to look this morning? How hard do you have to think to come up with some of the blessings of God in your life? As the the gospel songwriter said, count your many blessings, name them one by one. We together this morning have sung our thanksgiving to the Lord. That too is appropriate. Singing by God's people is right. The soul's appropriate expression of praise is through singing. Now verbally as we speak as well, but singing is an important part of that. Turn with me into the New Testament to Ephesians chapter 5 and notice the striking words of the Apostle Paul as he talks about the results of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Verses 19, 20, and 21 of Ephesians 5, he gives us at least three results when one is filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So there is speaking to each other with encouraging words of praise and thanks to God. He goes on to say, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. And so singing also is a part of the spirit-filled life. The Christian who never sings has to wonder what the ministry of the Spirit of God is in his life. Because when the Spirit of God is ministering, there is music, there is singing that takes place. And then verse 20 kind of wraps up the theme in both the speaking and the singing and making melody. It's always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. In the Old Testament, giving of thanks singing and music were inseparably linked with worship. We see that specifically mentioned on several occasions. I'd like to turn to one of them that is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 23. I'm not going to give you time to get sleepy this morning. Just keep turning your Bible. 2 Chronicles chapter 23. Here we have the record of Jehoiada the priest protecting the young king Joash. You recall that his grandmother, whose name was Athaliah, was a very wicked woman. And when her son was killed in all of that generation, she desired the throne for herself, and so she killed all of her grandchildren, except for this one young boy that Jehoiada the priest was able to spare and hide. And eventually, Joash was placed on the throne, Athaliah was executed, and then Jehoiada, it says in verse 16, made a covenant 
between himself and all the people and the king, that they should be the Lord's people. And all the people went to the house of Baal and tore it down, and they broke in pieces his altars and his images and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. Moreover, Jehoiada placed the offices of the house of the Lord under the authority of the Levitical priests, whom David had assigned over the house of the Lord, to offer the burnt offerings of the Lord, as it is written in the law of Moses. And notice this last little clause here. With rejoicing and singing, according to the order of David. Now apparently because the people's hearts had been turned to Baal, they had forsaken the proper order of sacrifice in the temple. Now Jehoiada puts an end to Baal worship, the false worship of the world, and he reinstates the worship of Jehoiada. Part of that means putting back together the courses of the Levitical priests that were established in the law of Moses. But linked together with those courses of priests were those Levites that were responsible for the music of the temple. Now it's David that put those in order. You can read about that over in uh, 1 Chronicles 25. He drew together several thousand musicians, students as well as teachers. He established a school of music where these particular Levitical priests were trained so that there would always be musicians to sing and to rejoice as the sacrifices were being offered by the other Levitical priests. My point here is this, that singing, music, and thanksgiving were inseparably linked in the Old Testament. And I believe the same is true today in the church. And Ephesians chapter 5 would be one proof text of that. It really is impossible for us to get together and to worship unless we sing. Unless we give thanks to the Lord and rejoice in His presence. We should never undervalue the time in a service that is given to worship. There are some people, thank God, I've, I've rarely heard it in our church, but there are some people who feel, hey, let's get this music stuff over with. That's just the preliminaries. Let's get on to the preaching. A person who says something like that shows a woeful ignorance of worship. When we come together in the first part of this service and we're in our places, then we begin to lift our hearts to God in singing. That is worshiping God and there is nothing that is more important than that, including the preaching in the service. Let's never undervalue the resources, too, that we commit to worship. Sometimes we think of nothing of sending thousands of dollars to this project or overseas to missions, and we begrudge a penny that is spent on worship in our own church. Shame on us. The one is not more spiritual than the other. When we spend money on worship in our church, that is pleasing to God. You say, oh, we're spending it on ourselves. Who are you worshiping anyway, yourself? Why do we have beautiful music? It's because we are presenting that to God as an offering and a sacrifice of thanksgiving to Him. Never undervalue the music, the worship of a church. Our pragmatic Western minds tend to think that God is pleased when we uh, spend our money doing things. 
But let's not forget that God is also pleased when we spend our money to enrich our worship experience, because that is a celebration of praise to Him, to Him. I thank God when we have the resources that we can put into an orchestra for a cantata in our church, because that is an offering that we present to God, and it's appropriate that we should worship the Lord with thanksgiving, and we should invest our resources, our time, our money, our energy in doing that. Because it is presented to Him as an offering. Let us worship the Lord with thanksgiving. And then Philippians chapter 4 gives us further instruction regarding when we are to give thanks. Philippians chapter 4. Some of you have these words already coursing through your mind as we say Philippians 4, 6. Because it's a verse that all of us come back to time and time again when we're worried. It says, be anxious. Don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You and I are not only to worship with thanksgiving, we are to pray with thanksgiving. One of the most significant prayer experiences I've ever had was Friday night. Some of you were there at the concert of prayer when about 8,000, I would judge, of Christians from around the Twin Cities gathered in the Metrodome to, to worship and to pray. It was a great evening. And during that evening, something happened that affected me. At one particular point in that two-and-a-half-hour service, they had all of the Christian workers stand up. <clears throat> and there were a number of us from Grace Church sitting together in several rows. And they said, now reach out and touch those full-time Christian workers that are near you, and let's pray for them. And from all around me, I felt hands touching me, as people within our church, by that act, indicated their support and their prayers. God did something to me in those moments. As in a very tangible way, I sensed the support of his people in prayer. It was a significant night. I'm sorry if you missed it. I hope that you'll be there next year. You can't believe how fast the time goes. And one of the things that we did that evening was to give thanks. You and I are to pray with thanksgiving to God. Notice that there are three kinds of communication with God that are suggested in this one verse. There's prayer. In everything by prayer. Now that word is the general word for prayer. It especially embraces thoughts of devotion, of worship, and adoration. When we bless the Lord for who He is, prayer. And then he mentions supplication. Or petition. That's another kind of communication. It goes a step beyond adoration to the point when we offer up to God our requests. When we hold up the hands of Moses, as we talked about last week. When we lift up to the Lord the burdens, the concerns, the requests that we have. When we enter into spiritual warfare, those are our supplications that we present to God. 
And then the third thing is thanksgiving or praise. Giving thanks to the Lord for the worthy deeds that he has done. The importance of thanksgiving, along with its rarity, is found in Luke chapter 17. We have here an incident that occurred in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 17. And we look in verse 11, where it says, And it came about while he was on the way to Jerusalem, that he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. They kept their distance because they were used to being ostracized and cut off from other people because of their disease. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And it came about that as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he came and fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And Luke inserts this little phrase, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who turned back to give glory to God except this foreigner, that is, the Samaritan? The implication being that the other nine were Jews. And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. There are ten lepers here. They are united in one deep concern. And that is their leprosy. G. Campbell Morgan put it this way, They were reduced to the consciousness of their common humanity by that misery. In other words, we have here what were probably at least nine Jews and then one Samaritan. But it didn't make any difference anymore that the Jews and the Samaritans had nothing to do with each other. All those kinds of divisions were put aside because of disease. Under such conditions, Morgan says, men forget the things that hold them apart. It would almost seem as though there may be occasions when trouble and misery are beneficent if they reduce men to the consciousness of their common humanity and make them forget the things that divide. Now that was the case here, wasn't it, with these men? And Jesus healed them. Now, he did it differently than he had done it on other occasions. Back in chapter 5, he healed the leper first. And then he said, go and show yourself to the priests. That was according to the law. A person who had leprosy had to be declared clean of it by the priest. And so Jesus healed him first and then said, go and show yourself. In this case, he simply says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And it was not until they were on their way, says the text, that they were healed. What does that say to us? Well, perhaps among other things, it says to us that God works in a variety of ways. God doesn't always do something the same way for everybody. God uses a variety of ways to get his work done in our lives. Now, of these ten that were healed, 
There was only one, and that a Samaritan, who returned to give thanks to the Lord. It is obvious from what Jesus says that he values gratitude. And he notes the fact that that gratitude was missing from the others. I wonder as you and I bow in prayer and we come before our Lord, does our prayer life place us with the one or with the nine? Do we come back to the Lord again and again and again and have only petition and request? Or do we ever come back and say, Lord, thanks. Jesus, thank you for working in that situation that I prayed about. You and I ought to pray with thanksgiving. We ought not to worry and be anxious, but to worship, to pray, to supplicate, to offer our petitions, and to praise with thanksgiving to bring our requests to God. Let me cover a third point as we think about when to say thanks And to do this, would you turn, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Here at the beginning of the chapter, the apostle is warning about the latter days when there would be people come forth with doctrines that do not agree with the Word of God. For example, in verse 3, they forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. We are to worship with thanksgiving. We are to pray with thanksgiving. And we are to eat with thanksgiving. It is appropriate. It serves as a regular reminder of our dependence upon the goodness and the providence of God in caring for our daily needs. There are numerous examples in the Bible of those who prayed and blessed the food before they ate. Our Lord Jesus did that. When he fed the thousands on the hills of Galilee, it says that he took in his hands the loaves and the fishes and he blessed it, holding it up to heaven. And then he distributed it to those who were about to eat. He did the same on that night before he was crucified. And then again after his resurrection, when he ate with the the two disciples at Emmaus, they asked him to offer the blessing for the food. And he did so. And then again, the Apostle Paul in Acts 27 gives us a beautiful example when in the midst of a storm at sea with 276 people on this wooden crate that's about to come apart, he says to them, be encouraged and get something to eat. Now, I don't know if you've ever been seasick. I never have. But if you've ever been seasick, that's not what you want to hear. But Paul says, be encouraged, we're all going to be saved Let's have some food. And before he distributed the food, he sa- it says there he gave thanks for it in the presence of all of them. 
only a handful of believers on that ship. Paul, who was under arrest, and the small party with him, including Luke, all of the rest pagans, as far as we know. But the Apostle Paul gave thanks for that food in the presence of all of them. Do you do that? In the cafeteria there at your office? Do you bow to give thanks to God for that food in the midst of all of them? What about in the cafeteria school or at college? For that matter, a restaurant. Do you pause to give thanks to God for that food that you're about to eat? The Bible commands us to eat our food with thanksgiving. God has created all of it. It's good for us to eat, but it is sanctified... That is, it is set apart for God's purpose in our physical bodies by the Word of God and prayer. We are to pause to take time to say, Father, thank you. You are the one who has provided this food. And we acknowledge that from your hand. You can never go wrong in doing that. You say, yes, but if I'm out with a, a businessman and I'm trying to sell him something, it's a little awkward, isn't it, for him to be my guest or for me to pray? It may be a little awkward. It doesn't mean it's inappropriate. What I usually say when I'm out with an unsaved person for lunch is, say, is to say this. It's my custom to give thanks before eating. Would you please join me? And I have yet to find anyone who is offended by that. Sometimes they're a little red in the face. But I have yet to have anyone say to me, Oh, oh no, please don't do that now. Because I say, may I offer thanks, Lord, we thank you for this food. They don't have time to say no. <laughs> Not really. Do you eat with thanksgiving? Beloved, we ought to do that. That's a testimony to the world of our dependence upon God. And we're not independent of Him for our food, the daily food that we eat. The story is told about a king in Spain who got reports that his pages the young men who served him in his court were eating without giving thanks to God first for their food. He was quite alarmed by that, and so he arranged an occasion when there was a banquet. He invited all of them to come, and they did. And sure enough, they all began to eat without giving thanks for the food. About halfway through the meal, a beggar came in, by design of the king, and sat down at the table and began to eat the food. The young pages looked at the king, expecting him to order the man removed. But he never did. And they were amazed. Finally, the man finished and got up from the table and walked out without saying a word to the king. And when he had departed, the pages said to the king, What an ungrateful man he was! And the king had them just where he wanted them. And he said, Yet you are more ungrateful than they. For you eat at this table every day. And never give thanks to your heavenly Father who provides you this food. Oh, they learned a lesson that day, a lesson that all of us can learn. Eat with thanksgiving. And let's close our message this morning by seeing one more time when we are to give thanks. And this is found in Colossians chapter 3. And verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. 
I tie this together with several other verses in the New Testament, including 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which says, In everything give thanks. I simply put it this way. You and I are to live with thanksgiving. Whatever we do, in word, in deed, we are to do that with thanksgiving to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Whether the circumstances that come in our, into our lives are the result of what we've actively done, or perhaps they come upon us despite what we've done, it's outside of our control, you and I are to learn to give thanks in everything. Why? We are to trust our circumstances to be God's will for us. As you and I understand the sovereignty of God, and understand that He is bigger than our circumstances, we can learn to give thanks to Him whatever our circumstances may be. One poet put it this way, Thank you, Lord, for every blessing, though disguised they often are. Thanks for guiding through the valley that we might behold thy star. Thanks for sunshine and for shadow. Thanks for pleasure and for rain. Thanks, O Lord, for every blessing thou dost give and give again. Thank you, Lord, for home and loved ones. Or, if we must walk alone, thanks for promises so precious thou wilt never leave thine own. Praise for food or lack we give thee. Praise whate'er befall us here, for thy blessed word assures us of thy presence ever near. Even the most tragic and difficult experiences of life can yield cause for thanksgiving to God. We may have to be like a miner who goes down deep to look for the diamonds. It requires diligence, perhaps. But when those occasions for thanks are found, we can offer them up to the Lord and they sparkle with particular beauty. Matthew Henry was a Welshman who lived from 1662 to 1714. Matthew Henry grew up in a minister's home and he himself was ordained to the Presbyterian ministry at the age of 25. He served only two churches in his lifetime before his early death at the age of 52. He is best known for his Bible commentary, which some of you perhaps have in your library. On one occasion, Matthew Henry was robbed. After that experience, he sat down and wrote these words in his daily diary. Let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, Although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Now there's a man who has done some mining in a tough experience, but he gave thanks. The psalmist said, I will extol the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be on my lips. Beloved, Satan is never more quickly disarmed than when you choose to be thankful. 
When you are thankful in adversity, it delivers you from self-pity and despondency. When you are thankful in prosperity, it delivers you from self-importance and conceit. The one choosing to live in gratitude rather than grumbling is truly set apart from the devil's grasp. We have to observe that the life characterized by thanksgiving is the one that is under the control of the Holy Spirit. Gratitude is something that must go beyond mere attitude, though it starts there. It must embrace action. That's that's why this day is called thanksgiving and not thanksthinking. You see, it's action that's involved. A famous surgeon and OB doctor by the name of Dr. Howard Kelly lived outside of Baltimore. One afternoon, he was taking a long country walk, and he became thirsty. He stopped at a farmhouse, and he asked for a drink of water. The little girl who came to the door was by herself. Her parents were not there. And they had gone to town, and so she said, I have no water. But she said, uh, there is some cold milk down at the spring where they kept it cool. Would you like a glass of milk? He said, I surely would. And so she took him down to the spring, and then she dipped out some milk, and he drank it. And she said, would you like another glass? He said, well, yes, I would. And so she offered another glass to him. And then giving thanks to her, the famous doctor went on his way. He worked at John, Johns Hopkins Hospital. And would you believe that within just a few days, that little girl was taken to the hospital with a serious illness which that doctor had to take care of by his surgical skills. He recognized her, although she did not, of course, uh, recognize him. Her parents came to take her home, and they received the bill, expecting to uh, find it rather large, and they were poor people. But there, where the total balance should have been on that bill, it simply said, paid in full with two glasses of milk, signed Dr. Howard Kelly. Now, my friend, that's thanksgiving, not just thanksgiving. That's thanksgiving. How can you give thanks this season? To God? To your spouse? To other loved ones or friends or co-workers? When ought you to say thanks and how? Would you bow with me, please? If you're not a Christian today, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, your greatest need is to say thanks to God for His salvation provided through Christ. And the way to say thanks is by receiving that free gift He would have for you. Hundreds of us here have done that. Will you do it today, right where you're seated? As many as received Jesus Christ, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 
Will you believe on his name for the saving of your soul? And then those of us who have done that, whose souls have been saved, are we really a grateful people? Our quickest answer would probably be yes. But let's allow the Spirit of God to search our hearts. Let's not give a superficial response. Holy Spirit, we need to be more thankful than we are. Even the most grateful of us is at times not thankful. There are times when we grumble and complain, we criticize and gripe, when we ought first to give thanks. We acknowledge our sins. Lord, make us truly grateful. And show us how, in very practical ways, we can be practicers of thanksgiving this season. First to you, and then to others. Just before we say amen and close our prayer time, I wonder if there's someone here who would say, yes, God has spoken and I am in need of being more grateful to him and to others. And by his grace, I want to practice thanksgiving. I want to overflow with it as I walk in Christ. Would you just lift your hand and put it down? Yes. God bless you. Many, many. Lord, you see our hands. You know the desires of our hearts. And so work in us this grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.